0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guests are not necessarily the views of the owners or
1: management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation. I am Ron Coleth, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, New England Zone Van Helsink. And with me, my co-host, the away from East Bridgewater, wherever the hell that is, <laughs> she, the star... Of East Bridgewater's most haunted, the crazy blonde hair, what's her name? Ann Kerrigan.
2: Oh, well, thank you for that thrilling introduction.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's <laughs> well, been a rough fortnight, if you know what I mean.
2: Oh, really? Really? Mm-hmm. Still trying to catch up on your sleep, are you?
1: Uh, sleep, I've heard about that. You <laughs> seen it, but...
2: I think I'm still working on it, too. I guess we'll have to excuse you in your advanced old age.
1: Uh-huh. I see you, like, put up a million pictures of us up on uh, uh, Facebook there. I
2: did. I did. Well, we need people to tell us, you know, what picture they like the best. None of them. None of them. None of the above. I like the one of us holding the lantern. Oh, Leading the so way to the next generation.
1: Yeah, that's so weird. It's weird. <laughs> mm.
2: Well you look weird, I don't look weird.
1: Yeah, right. I
2: look beautiful. <laughs> so there.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: Mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. You just look like Ron.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I, I <laughs> saw we had a picture of our two friends there, huh? Mm. Karen? No. And? The two the two uh the two young oh. babes I was ghost hunting with.
2: Oh, you mean Jackie and Karen?
1: Jennifer. Jackie. Jennifer, wasn't it?
2: I'm telling you, it's Jackie.
1: Well, you know what? It it probably, you know, I'm probably thinking of her in her past life because I'm I'm sure I met her then.
2: (laughs) And she was Jennifer then. Oh, she was Jennifer in her past life. Okay. All right. I know it's it's Jackie because she friended me on Facebook. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I get
1: friended too.
2: I have proof.
1: Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's funny. I, I, I had to get the telephone number, one of our guests, and uh, they wouldn't give it out to me because, uh, you know, because I guess. Because? <laughs> because you're you? <laughs> but I, that's, that's so funny. I mean, I, don't, I I give out my phone number everywhere. In fact, if you go in, in any stall in the ladies' room on the East Coast, you'll find it written there.
2: Oh, this is true. This is true. Yep. You're a legend in your own mind, right? Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: But anyways, we have a great show tonight We, in the first half, we have a a young lady by the name of Pamela Who, uh, well, she's kind of a unique occupation, I guess you would say So we're going to bring her on shortly And then in the second half, we have my good friend, the psychic belly, Jane Doherty Psychic belly (laughs) (laughs) Okay So why don't we bring Pamela on
2: That would be awesome, I'm really excited to talk to her
1: Okay, so without further ado, let me introduce to you a charming young lady who runs the Castle Halloween Museum. I hope I said that right. And she is an author, she is a psychic, and she's an all-around neat person. Pamela, are you there?
0: Yes, I am, Ron. And what's your last name again? (laughs) (laughs) It's Apkarian Russell. I knew that.
2: Ron, that's
0: mm. not so hard to say. <laughs> Actually, if if you do phonetically, it's pretty easy.
2: Carry and Russell. and you're lucky
1: I remember your name. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> you don't. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, this is kind of a neat little place. Uh, I, I had uh, r- run into this young lady who had sent me an email, and... Uh, we were talking about, because uh, she has like a collection of 500 uh, Ouija boards, and so I was talking about oh. ha- having to come on the show. And she says, you know who should have this, this really neat place? And, and she recommends you, and that's why you get the call. Oh, lovely. <laughs> it is lovely.
0: Uh, no, I was agreeing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, and you'll have to tell me afterwards who it is.
1: Okay, so you, you have to tell us a little bit. I, I mean, it's very hard for me to describe this uh, Castle Halloween Museum. So, first of all, whose idea was it, and what the heck is
0: it? Well, it was my idea. It's been my dream all my life. Uh, um, and um, what, what is it? Well, it's uh, 250 years of Halloween memorabilia and that which is related to it. In other words, the peripheral subject, like uh, witchcraft and spiritualism and the paranormal in any form. Um and uh, it, it consists of 35,000 pieces that are on display. We have an Andy Warhol Dracula on display. Wow. We have a lot of art and folk art on display. Um, and everything from costumes, you know, the box costumes to the crepe paper costumes. We have a, a large collection of the Salem Witch uh, memorabilia. Uh, we have a section for the kids of one section of uh, Harry Potter and another of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and anything that happens to do, like we, we keep up a small section each year uh, of the uh, Druid section which is related to, you know, Christmas and the mistletoe, mm-hmm. the fauna, the Christmas witch, we have a section for the uh, Scandinavian Easter witches, um, but it's, it's, it's a very, very inclusive museum, uh, it's a walking tour for about an hour, or just over an hour. But it doesn't contain any of the, the blood and gore. It doesn't have any of the haunted house stuff. We are so far from being a haunted house, it's, it's night and day. Um, there are plenty of wonderful haunted houses, so we don't feel that we should have to even you know overlap into that type of thing. Right. Uh, it's more eye candy and social history.
1: So speaking of eye candy, uh, Scandinavian, which is blonde... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, usually they're um darker haired uh in in most of the um graphics and stuff like that they have darker hair. Um but you know it's that dirty brownish color uh, or darker hair. But you know usually the uh, in in the, for the Easter witches and stuff like that you find that uh, it's a lot of it is caricature caricature how they are depicted um you have wonderful artists like Jenny Nystrom and Kurt Nystrom and um um that have d- depicted them, so a lot of it is um, oh caricature in the sense of what they're doing, because the idea of the Easter witches is they brought prosperity to the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would alight on the houses, make coffee, and ensure that they, that the house would be prosperous for the year you wouldn't burn the carrots, you wouldn't spill. <laughs> the milk wouldn't go bad so um you know but they're they're not ugly they're not uh, they're just you know older. Haggy type women like me. <laughs> oh no,
2: <laughs> Pamela! I am so excited of, to hear about a museum this about like this because I just I love Halloween. I live for Halloween, and this I love all these things that you have there. This is just really exciting to me.
0: <laughs> it really is a totally unique place. It there's nothing like it. Uh, never has been. I've been collecting for over forty years and wow. researching uh, and writing about it and you know one of the things we try to do with our museum because i tell people we are a social history museum and i truly mean that when we get to the Salem witch uh section we discuss why salem witches have nothing to do with halloween mm-hmm. uh when we get to uh uh the um uh things like um uh well, not that they'd be Easter witches because they're just witches and, you know, and how we pull that in. But we we try to discuss what things aren't. We talk about reproductions for collectibles. But we, um, well, like History Channel had done something on the fact that uh, Guy Fox was part of Halloween. Now, Guy Fox is no more part of Halloween uh, than I can fly on a broomstick. <laughs> uh, I mean, if it was, boy, I'd be saving a lot of money on gasoline, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh but it, it's, it, you know, Guy Fox was, I don't know how much of English history you remember, uh, but remember, remember the 5th of November gunpowder treason plot, uh, but, you know, and it has, it, and, and, and we explained to them why it has nothing to do with Halloween and what it really is. Uh, so that's one of the many things that we try to do is we get rid of a lot of the, uh, the baggage that has been picked up by Halloween and been mm-hmm. stuck on Halloween that has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to get rid of some of the 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 the, the, the bad press that it's been given. Um, our museum is really a museum. We we really uh, it's it's for all ages, um, and we expect people to come in and learn something. But we want them to really enjoy what they're seeing, but understand what they're seeing. Right. You know, you can look up and you can see a painting of a fortune teller's, you know, mm-hmm. but you don't know that that's a Harry Roseland painting until I tell you that. And, and on the whole, most people won't. And why Harry Roseland was so important mm-hmm. uh, and how he depicted back it. you know, at the turn of the, uh, you know, about nineteen hundred nineteen thirties 1930s and 40s, uh, depicted the black fortune tellers as they really were, the days of the Gibson girls going to them, how they were the caricatures, you know, the perfect uh, American beauty female. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the, the fortune tellers, these old black ladies who lived in Louisiana and in their homes and stuff, he lovingly showed them as they really were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his work is extremely collected. Uh-huh. Um, so we have one of the prints up, and then I say, well, these two are real original paintings of his... So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's all of a sudden it means something to someone. It's not just a picture. It right. becomes uh, they know something about it. Uh, we actually
1: have a question for you, Pamela, from uh, the Toachnet chat room, and they, they want to know where this museum is and uh, the website, so it's a perfect time to give it, I guess.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that would help, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I keep on telling people we live in hell here uh, nah. because the road's always dug up. Um, but we live in... Uh, uh, Benwood, West Virginia, which is right on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. It's right near Wheeling. Uh, it's, okay. it's just a suburb or a suburb of Wheeling.
2: Oh, I wish you were closer.
0: We are about less than an hour from Pittsburgh,
1: oh. Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, and we are just over the bridge from uh, Ohio, so we're five minutes to Ohio, ten minutes to Pennsylvania. Um, so, Website. Um, uh, the website I can never remember what it is. Uh, let me see. That's <laughs> what that is. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm never good on those things. Castle Halloween. Um, but I can tell com? You, uh, it's, yeah, www. Yeah. Yeah, and the yep. email is Halloween uh, CastleHalloween at Comcast. dot net.
2: Ah,
0: and our phone number here at the museum is three zero four two three three ten thirty one. And we are open all year long, really. Uh, but always by appointment, and the reason we do that is because we we like to be able to spend time with people. We would like to be able to answer their questions, show them all of the things. Especially, some people will come make a long journey just to see the immemorium pieces, Mm -hmm. um, which is like the things that the uh, big pieces, hair wreaths that were made to for the homes, and to see uh, the hair jewelry and. Um, there a lot of people want to see things that they col- they collect and uh, get a lot of information and stuff. And then there are those people who are in and out within you know the hour, and you know, you know they've gotten more information than they can possibly digest for the rest of their lives. I think. <laughs> um, uh, but um, we 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 try to spend as much time with people as possible uh, and keep groups fairly small. Um, this is not a place where children run around. It's basically a, most of the people who come are, are adults or young adults and, right. and on up. Um, it, if the children that do come usually, you know, enjoy themselves. Um, it's uh, it gets a little bit too much talking for them. If you know are talking I mean, <laughs> you know, more facts and too much like school. only so one kid said, oh. you know, um, but um, it's it's, it's uh, it, 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 we we have to. You know, pace ourselves with, uh, I can only do so many tours in a day, uh, right. and, and also the fact that, you know, my husband is disabled and I have to get him back and forth to physical therapy, oh, yeah. uh, right. and, and things like that. So between doctors and physical therapists and stuff like that, um, we have to put the in between there and stuff. And also, you know, electricity and all of that stuff is so expensive. Oh, yeah. And we, we work on, uh, literally, we slave ourselves just to keep this place going. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's a case of, um, you know, we turn off the electrics down there uh, when we're not using them.
1: We actually have another question for you, Pamela, and this is from Ghost Girl, and she says, "What uh, what is a hair wreath or hair jewelry?
0: Oh, when a person passed away in Victorian time,
1: um... They would,
0: uh, you know, take some of the person's hair and they would take the hair of their friends and relatives uh-huh. and this would be intertwined and made up into wreaths and stuff, decorative pieces put under glass, uh, sometimes with a person's picture, sometimes without. Uh, and the, these pictures would be with, uh, made up of, they, oh, sometimes you would have, there would be a lot of flowers, but sometimes there would be butterflies on it or little hummingbirds. Sometimes they would put in names, and initials would be made out of the hair, uh, but it would be all woven, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and it's it's a, it's a folk art in itself. It's a it's right. a dead art. I mean, it's n- mm-hmm. it's not something that people do anymore. But right, right. It, it, <laughs> no, well, no, it literally. I'm beside the pun. It's the fact that it's just it is so much work. If you see the amount of work in these pieces. They are absolutely incredible. But also, it was a time when, when people, especially women, would die in childbirth. Oh, um, right. And the husband would make the, uh, take some of the hair and use it as a as a watchful. Well, men don't uh-huh. wear watch watchful watch today. But women would make jewelry of the hair and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of these things were to let people know that, A, you were in mourning, mm-hmm. uh, and also to keep a piece. Of, that's why it's called immemorium to keep mm. a piece of that person with you. Now, the hair wreaths very often will put over the mantle in the best parlor in the house. It was there so that everybody could enjoy it and also feel part of it because they've uh, naturally given pieces of their hair to be in, you know, interwove into it. And also know that part of that hair is, you know, there was, was the person who passed on that they really loved. Wow.
1: We actually have another question for you, Pamela, from the uh, to, uh, to, uh, to net chat room. And do you uh, exhibit any old funeral pieces is the question. And that was oh, from Ian Ryan.
0: Oh, a tremendous amount. We have the Witheral Crypt, which is one room uh, that comes in, and, and it's sort of like spread out into the hallway a bit because we just have too much. And in that, we have a lot of, well, as you come in, we have a tremendous amount of the – early embalming bottles and stuff, uh, and things that we use in, in embalming and stuff uh, um, um, back about 1900 and before 1900, 1880s, 1870s, on up until about 1910. <laughs> uh, and then as you get in, we have some of the wicker coffins and some of the early shaped coff- coffins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some of the um, uh, sample tombstones. We have a wonderful clock that was... Um, uh, carved in Pennsylvania by, you know, the tombstone makers. Very often would was not very often, but every now and then would make a clock uh, shaped sort of like a tombstone, and it would be have the person's name on it who was deceased. And what they would do is they would set it at the time that the person passed away, and then they would take some of the flowers or uh, or leaves or something from the wreath that the the that were or that were put at the funeral. And they would put those around on the inside of the clock, and
1: sure. that would
0: be sit on the mantel, and people would keep that in the house. Wow. Uh-huh. You know, so it, they, they, those were actually carved out of, you know, stone or, or marble uh-huh. or, or whatever they were using and stuff.
2: That's quite um, a reminder.
0: Yes. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Wow. Um, but
2: That's been time.
0: Mm-hmm. But the whole room is 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 uh, we we tell people it's the sublime and the ridiculous, the sacred and the profane because we have mm-hmm. a lot of Day of the Dead stuff in there and skeletal stuff in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we have
0: a wonderful piece of Tubby Brown folk art, uh, which is uh, a, a shaped, which is a, a large coffin. It's about six feet tall, um, and it's all carved and painted, and it's got the skeleton, which is all carved. and He was a very famous. Um, uh, folk artist from down Georgia way uh, years ago, uh, and um, he died in his 80s, but this was, I've been told, is the largest piece anybody's ever seen wow. that he ever did, and it took him over six months to carve this piece and, and paint it up, and it's really super, but, you know, so it, it becomes both the funerary, um, it, you know, the light side and the dark side. Wow, wow. We, you know so and then at the same point point you can walk in there and you'll find you know we've got this animated uh little uh, bride and groom that things that sing "I got you babe you know chair <laughs> <with my laughs> so we we try to keep it light uh because you know we do have children come through right. um so that that everybody can can see uh, how people looked at things way back when uh not. How things are looked at today are very different from what they were a hundred years ago, or even twenty or fifty years ago.
2: Right. So, Pamela, where um, do you where do you find all these things? Well, I've been collecting hands.
0: for over forty years. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I I I've been advertising and, and telling people because we've been doing the antique shows forever. Oh, right. uh, And we that's how I made my living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we would go everywhere, and everybody knew I was that crazy lady, the Halloween lady, you know. And, <laughs> and, and so they, they would bring these stuff. And then, of course, other people's collections. Uh, and when things would come up at auction all over the country, we would, mm-hmm. you know, we would, we would go looking for it. Uh, and we've tried to, you know, contact with as many collectors as possible. And that's one of the things we do with the museum is the fact that we use it as, a, as a sort of a, a magnet for other people to come to see what there is. Um, and to, you know, um, be able to um, have some empathy and and be able to uh, uh, feel that they're part of uh, of the Halloween scene. And it can be all year long. Um, At at Valentine's Day, we explain why Halloween was before Valentine's Day, and that's when they celebrated, you know, the mating holiday, uh, Mm -hmm. Christmas time. So we try to interrelate, and we have special displays at all times of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to involve people, especially the folk artists, we we love the folk artists around the country. So we contact them and we keep with in touch with them. And very often, I mean, look, we're very very fortunate. We've got forty pieces of Jack Rhodes' work here, and oh. Jack Rhodes is a California artist. He is the top of the line. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we keep in touch with all of these artists, and we keep in touch with a lot of the collectors. Uh, and people who write on Halloween, and um, you know, just people who are just in love with the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try to show them that there are so many facets of it that okay. we seem to forget about, and how mm-hmm. it's interrelated with spiritualism, and yeah. how it's interrelated with uh, voodoo, and how it's related with uh, interrelated with so many things. Right. Um, yep. uh, so, but that's the, that's where we get everything from all over the country, and from other collectors, and. And we have so many friends, and uh, I, every year, you know, uh, Halloween time is when I get, you know, presents from everybody. Uh, and at Christmas time, I get Halloween stuff. And at my birthday, I get Halloween stuff. And it's always been like that because this is what I really, really, truly love. I eat, sleep, and drink this stuff.
1: Evidently. We actually have a, uh, a pretty uh, notorious uh, Halloween author around here by the name of uh, Leslie Benetine. She's written several books on Halloween. In fact, she has one coming out, I believe, in 2011. And is a whole chapter on the New England Ghost Project, and believe it or not, is part of it. So Halloween mm. is just a fascinating subject. It, it
0: absolutely is.
1: It and you, you have is. also written books on, on Halloween and, and other subjects as well, isn't that correct?
0: Yeah, I've written about the mm, Loving books, I guess,
1: like,
2: wow.
0: something like that. Now, I see one,
2: a, the Armenians of Worcester. Are you yes. originally from that area? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I do a lot of camping out in that area. I'm really familiar with yeah. it at this point. Yeah, not that's where so I originated years. from. You know, were you Polish? With, I'm sorry?
1: You weren't Polish, were you?
0: No, I was Armenian. She was Armenian.
1: <laughs> that's why I didn't write Is the that po- the same po- thing? Po- I'm not sure. <laughs> I...
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> well, it sounds like
0: saying, like, Irish is... Italian. Yeah, that's pretty close, <laughs> that's right? cool, too. You know. <laughs> pretty close.
1: Yeah, pretty close. Well, this both
2: we'll start with eyes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This book on the Armenians of Worcester is is really interesting, because I see I've seen a lot of these um, it's more a pictorial, right, this book, or... It,
0: it is very pictorial, yeah. I see a um, lot
2: of this, this line of books um, historically out in the Worcester area and I've got quite a few of them, and I'll have to look for this one. And I just—they're all—I love old photographs, and they just all tell such a a great story. And well, uh, this is particularly
0: uh, important because um, the book, when it it came out, is this is where all of the Armenians came after the Armenian genocide. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and this is where they dispersed from. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, this was sort of like, you know, the this is where the first Armenian church in this country was. Uh, This is where all all, all of the immigrants came, and then they went off to wherever they were going to go. It was a very big community for Mm -hmm. the Armenians. You have to realize, you know, uh, there was over 2.5 million people killed. Uh, Well, when you only had 6 million worldwide at that point, or only have 6 million worldwide today, Right. Mm. Uh, I mean, that was a lot of people to have gotten rid of because this was only, what, 20 years after the Abdul Hamid uh, genocide mm. as well.
1: P- Pamela, so, well, you're uh, not going to believe this, but we've run out of time. Oh,
0: oh. no. Oh, oh well. yes.
1: You were just warming up, too. What oh. can I say?
0: What can I say? Maybe some other time, Ron.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Uh, this has been Pamela from the. Uh, Castle Halloween Castle Museum Halloween in Benwood, Virginia. <laughs> in, in Wheeling, West Virginia?
0: Benwood, which is Wheeling, yeah. It's pretty close, yeah.
1: And uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You were very interesting. Uh, we, we definitely got to, uh, you know, have you on again, because I know we didn't even scratch the service. Oh,
0: make a maker and come up and visit
1: us. Oh, there oh, you go. Road trip, road trip. Road trip.
0: Absolutely. Everybody's got to make a road trip here. All right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask you one quick one, I we get about, like, 30 okay. seconds. Um, is, you are also a psychic, too, right?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So is, is, is the museum haunted?
0: Only the times when I invite people in. Okay. Oh.
1: Huh. Pamela, only thank the, you so only much. Only the
0: ones I invite in.
1: Okay. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you so much, and you <laughs> have a great you. day now. Okay, you too. Bye-bye, yeah, bye-bye. Pamela. Oh, wow, that was pretty good. Oh, she's really interesting. That flew by. We didn't even there. get a chance to get into it. Anyways, you are listening <sighs> to the Ghost Chronicles, uh, The Next Generation on TojiNet, uh, whatever. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, no. So, we'll be right back after the following messages. <laughs> sure.
2: Welcome to Net radio with a cutting edge.
1: The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number 1 with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The
2: American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet.
0: Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places, and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem Witches, Sean Porrer, and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com. Happy Halloween!
2: And we're
1: back. You're right. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles, the next generation on Tojinet and far beyond. And believe it or not, that was Christian Day. And we are part of the Festival of the Dead, and we have been for the past at least five years. Uh, We do several events, Spectral Evidence, which is a ghost event there, and also uh, Communicating with the Dead voices of the did, uh. But anyways, <laughs> well, let's bring, uh, but we had a great time at the uh, Hoot Mansion, didn't we?
2: Oh, yes, we did.
1: Yes, we did. It was awesome. awesome. I, I think my favorite time was like 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> with uh, Jennifer and Karen up in that room in the dark Jackie. together. Jackie. What was that? Jackie. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the reason I say that is because, uh, we really had a great experience in in that we, did. we had two doors open by themselves. Uh, one of them I was sitting next to it, and it just opened by itself. Mm. And then another door in this room at another time actually opened just as though someone was walking in and uh, there was no one there.
2: Oh, wow. I must, have, I must have been asleep in my sleeping bag by then. Yeah, night. that's what happens when you
1: you know you don't stay <laughs> up late and fine, ghost hunter you are. But oh, anyway, man.
2: I can't hang with the big boys, huh?
1: Evidently not. Evidently, my next guest, though, is she has been to the Hooten Mansion, and I've had a great experience working with her, and it's always fun to talk with none other than my favorite psychic, Jane Doherty. Hey, Jane.
3: Hi, Ron. How are you?
1: I am outstanding, and this is Ann wrongway Carrigan, my host,
2: co-host. Hello, Jane. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? That's it, fine, thank you.
1: You know, Ann, I, I, one thing, Ann, no, you're not Ann, she's Ann. Um, you know, Jane, the one thing I really love about you is that you're like a real person. I mean, I, I've run into so many mediums and psychics in my life, and it's just so much hooey-pooey. But you're a real down-to-earth person, and, and I just love working with you.
3: I thank you for that, Ron. That's I am. I, I've been in this field, and, it's, and I come from that space of being very sincere.
1: Oh, yeah, well, it was. I was sincere, and I don't do that very often. <laughs> this, is, this is true. <laughs> And uh, for those who don't know Jane Doherty, she was the star of Dead Tenants, which was it's been a few years since it's been on TV, but it was a great show. And also, she is notorious for working with the Crystal Skulls, which is another of my favorite topics. And also, she has a psychic belly. (laughs) Wow. You need to tell us
2: about that, because I'm not familiar with that. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) You have psychic cleavage, though, Ian. Oh,
2: yeah. really? <laughs> psychic cleavage. I have cleavage?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> when you wow. wear one of those push up thingies, whatever. Woo-hoo. Moving right along. <laughs>
2: I'm,
1: not uh, I have a, <laughs> dead I'm not going I'm not going there. Psychic
2: yeah. belly. We're talking about psychic boobs and psychic belly.
1: Yeah, psychic <laughs> belly, Jane. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit how you first realized that your belly was psychic, I guess, okay. and, and how do you actually use it in, in uh, interacting with spirits?
3: Okay. Uh, actually, this phenomenon happened to me somewhere around 1989 when I was doing my first ghost investigation with a researcher. And as I was going around the house trying to determine where there were ghosts, My stomach expanded, and I yelped. And nobody could react to me because that's the way you did it scientifically back then. No one could react, and I would just mark off on a piece of paper a map of the house where I found spirit activity. So I went further, and as I went into the next room, and my stomach expanded again, but that time I felt the cold come around me and that I knew what it was. Ah. And as I went through this house, My stomach had expanded eight times. and when I couldn't wait until it was over with this investigation. And when I sat down, I discovered that my stomach located almost the exact spots of uh, eight of the nine places the family had reported spirit activity in. Oh, my God. And that's the way it's been ever since. That's how I do a ghost investigation. Basically, my stomach does the walking first. (laughs) And then once it expands, I know spirit is there because I'll feel cold and other things, and then I'll get into my psychic mode to determine who it is. Wow. So it's an unusual phenomenon.
2: That sounds, uh, it sounds painful.
3: Uh, there is some pain involved because Ugh. it's almost like you're in labor, a woman in labor, Oh! but it doesn't have the same pulling sensation. It's like a contraction that starts low and just grips, and there are some people that, that have told me they actually can see the stomach lift.
2: Oh, my God.
3: And, uh, you know, it'll be just, I'll be, you know, expanded. So it's a big contraction.
2: Yeah, and I've had I medical
3: w- doctors check me out while this is happening, <sighs> and they can't find any medical reason for it.
1: And, and, um, Jane was down at the Hooton Mansion, and I actually saw this happen. But really? also, uh, Maureen's husband was there, who was like the biggest skeptic in the world, the biggest skinny cat in the world, and he actually <laughs> witnessed it himself. So I, I know this, this is pretty cool. And then when the spirits leave, the stomach uh, goes back to normal, correct?
3: Yes, and it goes very rapidly back to normal. You will see that. Uh, there's a difference. As, it, as it's expanding, it, you can see it's slower, but to leave me, it's quick.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, I do ghost tours, and when I do them, it's a big highlight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because you'll see me
3: walk through a house, and my stomach will go out. I'll say who it is. I'll talk. And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs>
2: so, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, just yeah I, just, I, can't, I can't even imagine enduring an entire investigation like that. <laughs> oh
3: no, it's, it's different. And what I've learned, that there's been some scientific research, and they're beginning to believe that the stomach actually has its own brain.
1: Wow. I so don't mind us. That, <laughs>
3: that I'm, I'm sensing something with uh, another kind of uh, detection system.
1: Uh, that's one of the questions we have in the chat room, actually. Uh, they said, what, what do you think causes that? Uh, you know, you, yourself. And uh, is, is, it, is it that you believe the stomach has a brain?
3: Well, no, that was something that I only recently found out. The only thing that I could say that made sense to me as to why this happened is because as a psychic, I don't read cards, I do it clairvoyantly, and the first thing I learned to do was to bring a person's energy to me, mm-hmm. and I will bring it to, like, the gut area, mm-hmm. and then that's how I begin to perceive, and I just think that that area became so sensitive that when I actually went into a, a ghost investigation, it, it'll, it'll hit me there first before any place else. On someone else, you might feel a tingling sensation. Right. Uh, you might feel the hair stand up on your arm or something. Back of your neck, where me, if I'm near it, it just it just expands, and I think that the spirit is partially going into me. There's a certain level of it; it's not fully, but it's interacting with my energy.
1: Wow! And and she is a great psychic too, a great medium. I, I like I said, I worked before, with her before. Especially uh, the most notorious thing was that uh, séance we had at the Hooton Mansion with uh, and myself, and yeah. Uh, Molly Gibson, who was the uh, author of The Ghost Huntress there and everything. It was, that was an interesting time, James.
3: Oh, that was a, a wild seance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the one where Maureen was actually thrown from her chair. So, I mean, that's... Wow. Yeah. That was phenomenal. But uh, you've also... Uh, I know that you did work on Dead Tenants before, which was a good show. I'm sorry that didn't last it, but... Uh, also, uh, I have the DVD, in fact, of uh, Jane Doherty Investigates, which I found interesting. It was, uh, uh, what's his name, Ghost Lake, I think. yeah yes. Yes.
3: Yeah, that was a very interesting investigation. And, of course, we're, it's like, you know, beyond midnight. We're 1 o'clock in the morning doing a seance around this haunted lake. So that itself was an interesting phenomenon. But my reaction to what I sent and then um, I, I told everybody we had to get out of there because I felt something was mm. watching us that was beyond what we needed to be there for. Mm. And when they played the video, that's what's interesting, when they went to edit, just at the point when the when the guy next to me felt somebody touching him right after I said that, you will see his shirt go up like there's a hand underneath him. Yep. Oh my God. And there was a light that went across the lake that was watching us. And, you know, you think of UFOs. You don't know what to make of it. And mm-hmm. we couldn't see. There were no houses around where there would be a light. And the interesting thing is, and we were at distance from, uh, you know, like it was a big lake. It wasn't right near us. But the light was only shining about six feet from where we were.
2: Which would be in the in the lake, right? Pardon? That would have been in the lake. Yes. The light. Mm-hmm. Wow.
3: So it it was very different, and then we did have an experience afterwards trying to get back to the cabins we were in. Uh, The producer was followed, Mm -hmm. and he had to change a route in order to lose whatever was following him. And and all he could describe it as, they were men in black. Hmm. So I told him I will not go back there. (laughs) He tried to get me back there, but I won't. That's creepy. It's a very scary place, and he had an encounter afterwards went back with his girlfriend. And every time he goes there with his girlfriend, his girlfriend gets sick.
2: Right?
3: <laughs> and wow. they, so they've been there several times.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: this, one of these times that they went, uh, they went into a wooded area that I wanted to go to that I didn't at 2 o'clock in the morning while they're going there. Mm. And so they wanted to investigate it. And what they did experience was something that looked like a uh, wild animal, prehistoric animal. But it was a ghost.
2: Because oh he went
3: to protect himself because it started to jump at him. Oh, my God. And as he did, he protected himself, but there was nothing there.
2: Hmm. So wow. um, it, it was it was kind of unbelievable. So you you feel it's, it's um, like, demonic presence? Um, no, I don't know if it would be demonic. I think
3: what I do think... Well, there could be. I shouldn't say that. Uh, okay. What I do think is in those woods, from what I heard afterwards speaking to someone, that there's been a lot of um, rituals and demonic rituals
1: in there. Right. We, we actually have a question for you, for, for Jane, through the uh, chat room, and uh, they want to know where the lake is.
3: Uh, it's in, let's see, I think the town is Hope, New Jersey, the Je- in in the Jenny Hope. Jump Mountains. It's all about Jenny Jump, and it is a, um, it's a park. Mm-hmm. So if they look up the Jenny Jump Mountain, Jenny Jump Park, they'll find it on the internet. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Quite interesting.
3: (laughs) And there is a road, they call it Shades of uh, Ghost Road.
1: And (laughs) the reason is,
3: is because there's a lot of rumors and a lot of legends of people getting killed on that road. And there's supposedly a ghost, a female ghost, that walks the road. And if you see her, she's hitchhiking. If Ah. you don't pick her up, person who passes her doesn't pick her up usually gets into a car accident. Uh-huh.
2: Like <laughs> so, like the red headed hitchhiker, huh Ron? Yeah.
1: yeah, it's probably a woman driver, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know a guy would have stopped for her. Because we're all gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um Jane also has uh what I, I find extremely interesting besides her belly and her psychic ability and her down-to-earthness is the crystal skull as well.
3: Mm. Yes, they're very interesting. And I use them in as my tool. They're they're always there with me whenever I do, whether it's a or a psychic reading or even a ghost investigation. I'll carry them with me in a bag. But they're uh, supposedly ancient and they... Your crystal gives off energy. They can transform. And I've had a lot of experiences with them, unusual things, even some uh, miraculous healings uh, that have happened. Actually, it's grown hair on a bald head. On a man <laughs> hey, bald I can use that. So, wow.
2: There you go, Ron. Yeah. i going to pack one up and send it to him. <laughs> yeah. Which was unbelievable to see. All the peace posts <laughs> came.
1: I wonder if that would be applicable for... Never mind.
3: <laughs> we don't want well, to know
2: We don't it's, want to know They've done
3: some <laughs> other things too, Ron
1: Oh, good <laughs> 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 I was uh, Never mind Moving we'll right along Let's, on. Next Let's put it
3: this way I, I will say it Because I will be saying this At my lecture in New York When I talk about Some of the funny things uh, I also do hypnosis And a man came to me For hypnosis For impotency
1: uh-huh. And
3: little did I realize What was going to happen Yeah, exactly. And I decided to use the psychic part for me and put the skull over his head to bring in extra healing energy. Well, it did it so well. And then he he wanted to buy the
2: skull from me. Oh, yeah. (laughs)
3: Because whenever he got near
2: it, it happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's a great healing tool. Wow. I wonder if a guy could develop if you get a psychic belly. Never mind. Uh, Moving on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Somebody asked about the spelling of that park uh, from the the, uh, Tojanet chat room. I'm sorry, Jane. (laughs) The what? The spelling of that park. I changed that subject very well, didn't I?
3: It would be uh, J-E-N-N-Y-J-U-M-P Mountains, and then, you know, he'll find the park, or she'll find the park. Okay. Jenny Jump Mountains
1: in New Jersey uh uh-huh. must be a full moon or something tonight. That's all I can say. <laughs>
2: Apparently. <laughs>
1: so you are going up to New York because there is a big yes. Crystal Skull conference. Festival, Convention, something or other.
3: It's a big conference where you have probably about 12 of the ancient skulls. And mine's a small one compared to everyone else's. And the whole idea it has to be with go. 2012 and the Mayan calendar. And the Mayan elders will be there speaking. We've got Stephen Mailer there, who is uh, archaeologist um, an anthropologist. He's done the uh, investigated the uh, Egyptian pyramids.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And Steve Halpern is going to be there with music. There's a lot of uh, interesting things. And each speaker will speak about their skull. And the idea is there's a myth that you bring them all together. And you spend energy with them that when 2012 comes, they should be able to keep us from rattling and rolling here.
1: In some right. Now, now, I know, Jane, that, that you had an experience where you actually went to, I believe it was Mexico, was it Mexico? Or Guatemala or whatever those yeah. countries are south of us. And uh, you brought the skull and it was this whole ceremony thing. Would you would you mind recanting that again? That was a, I found that an interesting tale. Story, uh, excuse me.
2: Yes,
3: uh, I, I had it at, I actually did a ceremony on the top of the uh, Jaguar platform in, in Usmal after we had been to, to Nita also, and it was supposed to be uh, where I picked some women who would represent the feminine energy. And as I was doing it, you know, I'm in the sunlight, and what happened is a bolt of uh, almost like, I don't know what you want to call it, the sun came into me in a boat like a laser. And that's when I realized I had to stop. Then it was taken to the very top of the pyramid. And from there, the energy of it was, was put into the earth. Now, again, no male could be near it. It was only feminine. The idea was to take all the hurtful energy uh, direct it towards the feminine and bring it into the skull and release it in order to create the balance uh, and, and have a balance and healing in the earth. And what happened at the top of the pyramid, a man started to walk towards it and a bolt came out of it. And another man that was directing the, uh, the uh, ceremony, he had to actually grab it and, and direct it in a different way. And it was Percival who witnessed it. He was a big speaker in the field, and he mm. said that it was, he thought it would be a miracle in what happened and what he witnessed. I didn't go all the way up because I had 102 temperature. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I only went halfway up before I gave it to another person. I not know if that was the experience you're talking about or not. Yes,
1: I was. Okay. I always found that fascinating, especially with the light and so forth. Yes. I had, uh, on Ghost Chronicles International, we had Chris Morton, who has done a lot of research on the crystal skulls. Uh-huh. And and he had a lot to lend to the subject as well. I just find it fascinating. Uh, one of the questions from the TojiNet chat room is "Is how old the skulls are, but we really don't know. That's no. the thing.
3: You don't know. And what they're finding now, that, you know, there's a lot of modern ones that are being made. Right. But what they're finding now, and they will be talking about this at the conference, that they feel that even the modern ones have a role.
1: Really? You
3: know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because when you start to think of it, the modern ones, uh, even though they're, they're – carved now, it's still made of old crystal. Mm-hmm. So, they feel that they have a part of this too.
1: I, mean, I actually have a crystal skull, of course, it's the size of my fingernail, but uh, <laughs> but Maureen Maureen has actually one that's the size of uh, probably a little bigger than your my fist, which is a man's fist, versus like a puny female's fist.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: there, there's something to it. It's, it's very fascinating, very interesting, and I've had so many experiences with mine. It even turned pink in front of the white buffalo in Janesville, Wisconsin. Oh, wow. And I was there asking it, you know, is there any truth to the prophecy that when a white buffalo was born, it signaled that the unity of man was going to come together and, you know, a lot of other things. So I was asking it to show me a sign. I had my eyes closed. It was In the beginning of March, it was about 25 degrees outside in Wisconsin, and I was with my daughter and her friend. And all of a sudden, I felt my hand getting hot, but I still had my eyes closed, and they started screaming because the skull turned pink. Wow. And I opened my eyes and realized, oh, my God, the skull is pink, and it's hot, and it's freezing cold out there.
2: (sighs)
1: That's
2: amazing. So I got my sign.
1: (laughs) And and, Anne from the chat room also also wants to know, how did you come into possession of the one you have? Uh, You actually have three of them, I believe. Yes,
3: yes. In 1987, I went on a trip to Mexico. I extended my trip. I went on a cruise. I extended my trip. I had no interest in crystal at the time, no interest in in the skulls, had no idea that there were even pyramids in in, Mexico. Mexico, And I just happened to walk in a store looking for something, and I was about to walk out because it was just nothing but junk in there, and I saw this case that was locked, glass case locked up that said artifacts, and the two skulls were in there, plus two black jaguar uh, statues and a green feathered serpent, and I just went, ooh, and, and I had to have them, and it really had kind of changed my life because wow. there's so much that went on once they came into my possession un- unknowingly. I didn't realize it was going to happen.
2: That's incredible imagine. I mean, you almost just walked right by them and something yes. said, hey, look again.
3: And I had no interest. It's just a, something was like, oh, my God, I have to have them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I didn't know why. And, in uh, fact, um, I gave one to my son and, and my nephew, and they wondered why I brought home skulls.
2: <laughs>
3: but they didn't have the heart to tell me back then how they thought it was like oh my god what is this
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we have another question for you from the TojiNet chat room a lot of people are curious I guess today I'm getting a lot of questions uh, this is from Ghost Girl uh, were you psychic before you received the skulls
3: I was in the process of developing my ability at that time so I wasn't fully psychic, nor was I intending to do readings. I wanted to open up my ability to prove or disprove whether psychic ability was real or not. That's what my book is all about, is, is that memoir. What I think they did is that by having the skull in my possession, it forced me to do readings. And I had a UFO experience after they came into my possession. Really? Yes. Wow. And it was from that point on. It seemed no matter what, I had to do readings. I was directed into this field, despite the fact I wanted no part of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so it 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 was the changing point. I, it seemed to be as though once this came in, it was like that's it. You now have to do this.
1: That's, it, that's- and uh, I know the saucer man also uh, asks, uh, do you use? You, you, I think we talked a little bit about this. Do you use them as a beaking or a tool? Uh, with your ability, and I, I think we, you do. You do use them in, in uh, ghost yes. hunting, yes. Yeah.
3: Uh, I use the larger skull actually as a protection so that I'm not absorbing anyone's energy, and therefore I never get tired when I'm doing reading. And also they're present in my reading, so I'll hold a person's hand in the beginning to make a connection. And there have been a lot of times when people have felt all of a sudden this pulsating going on. You could, it's almost like a Morse code that's going on doesn't Uh happen to everyone, but at that point, I just accept the fact that the skull and the spirits working around it are bringing in healing energy. The little one I hold in my hand, which is the rutilated quartz, the gold one, um, upside down, and I have my fingers in its eye socket and my thumb underneath, and I almost use this as a dial. When I get a vision and I want to bring it back, that's what I do. I'm using this like a dial, and I'm able to bring the, the vision back for me to get a better look at it. Uh, and I, as a beacon, right, I've used it for UFO. You know, I've, I've had an experience with it in Mexico. Hmm.
1: It, it's funny that you mention that about the vision part of it, because uh, we did an investigation at a place called Turtle Mound, which is this strange rock formation with tunnels and there's graves and there's other stuff in it. And we used uh, Maureen's crystal skull on it. Now, you know, hers is a man-made one that's not ancient or anything. But uh, we did use it, and it seemed to enhance uh, our visionary uh, ability in, in that we could uh, yeah. visualize much stronger than without it.
3: Well, there are supposed to be communication devices, and they uh-huh. were used that way in ancient times, almost like an oracle to the other side and when you understand that the shape of the skull uh was was also thought almost as a, a man conquering death and even in catholicism you have a skull image in paintings i think it's around the 13th century and even at the base of a crucifix back then so it does mean man conquering death and has a level, and women wore pins with a skull on it for protection to ward off evil Right. So there's a lot of things to
1: it. Yeah, I, I actually have a big ass cross that I wear under my investigations, and this thing is, uh, it's like the ones that you see the monks wear. It's huge, and, <laughs> the, and the base at the base of uh, uh, Christ is the skull and crossbones. It's, it's yes, yeah, so that's uh, an old one. Yes, it is. And it, and that it's funny, but you know, G, um, Jane is a lot of the things that I carry for my protection and stuff were things that were passed to me or given to me. From just strangers or whatever it's really really odd how uh, you know like the universe reaches out to you
3: well that oh yes, and in like I got the two skulls, but then the other two came to me in a very unusual way after that, mm-hmm. so I mean one of them is not crystal, one is a small, and i don 't have them on my website yet is a small one that was a Native American artifact it 's made of tricolored turquoise, Ooh. and it 's got holes. It's, me it feels as though a shaman wore it and if you put it up at your neck area it kind of like instantly centers you it's an incredible feeling neat
1: nice. well jane I, you're not gonna believe it but the show's over
3: <laughs> i can believe it
1: uh it was great talking to you it always is uh is your website uh you also have written a book uh which is called Oh, uh, i can't think of the name it right offhand
3: Awakening the Mystic Gift.
1: Oh, that's what it is. So, Jane, we want to thank you so much. And You're welcome. we'll definitely have to stay in touch. Definitely. All right. Okay. Bye, Jane. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Jane. Well, Anne, time to wrap it up. Tune in uh, Tuesday when uh, Richard and I look at uh, hellhounds and black dogs. Awesome. Good night and God bless. <laughs> Good night, everybody.